Welcome to Yale Cancer Center Answers with your hosts, Drs. Anish Chagpar, Susan Higgins, and Stephen Gore. Dr. Chagpar is Associate Professor of Surgical Oncology and Director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. Dr. Higgins is Professor of Therapeutic Radiology and of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences. And Dr. Gore is Director of Hematological Malignancies at Smilo and an expert on myelodysplastic syndromes. Yale Cancer Center Answers features weekly conversations about the research, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. And if you'd like to join the conversation, you can submit questions and comments to canceranswers at yale.edu or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. This week you'll hear a conversation about culture and spiritually sensitive palliative care of Muslims. Here's this week's guest host, Mark Lazenby. First, um, Dr. Al-Shahri, tell us what palliative care is like at the King Faisal Specialist Hospital in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Well, we started our uh, palliative care program in the early 90s. Uh, it was started as a home-based home health care program, uh, delivering palliative care to patients in their homes. This is how it began. And then the service developed into a full service with uh, a tertiary inpatient unit in the hospital with a, a, a consultation team uh, providing hospital-wide consultations with coverage 24-7 for the emergency room and for the home health care patients as well. And uh, we have now uh, eight-bedded, uh, single-bedded uh, tertiary unit, and we have uh, clinics, outpatient clinics as well. So this is how it is right now. What are some of the services you provide as palliative as a palliative care service to patients? We care for patients. Uh, we 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 recommend uh, as early as possible referral to the service, but we also uh, focus on patients in their uh, towards their end of life. I mean, their, uh, the end of life issues and uh, uh, the, the the special needs during this uh, critical uh, period of their life. Ghassan Abudari, you're a clinical nurse coordinator in palliative care at King Faisal in Saudi Arabia. What is the role of a clinical nurse coordinator in palliative care? Uh, of course, the role of, uh, of a clinical nurse coordinator in Saudi Arabia may be a little bit different than what you have in the United States. Uh, uh, here we have more advanced practitioner nurses, of course. Uh, they are they have more responsibilities. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, my role is uh, liaison between uh, physicians and nurse patients. Uh, try to uh, be like, uh, 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 as I mentioned, liaison between the medical team uh, and the multidisciplinary team, like the social worker, uh, the the uh, like uh, physical therapist. And we try to work together to provide the best uh, care for, for our patients, especially in these uh, uh, critical moments for in their lives. And we try to relieve suffer and maintain comfort for them. So uh, it's it's more about liaison. Uh, it's a partnership with the, with the multidisciplinary team and try to give the best uh, effort for uh, to have the, the uh, direct the, the efforts of our team to the best care for the patients. Mm-hmm. Dr. Omar Shamia, you're Chief of Palliative Care at the King Hussein Cancer Center in Amman, Jordan. What What is um, palliative care at, at the King Hussein Cancer Center like, and who's on your team? Uh, 
Thank you, Mark, uh, for this invitation. Um, as you know, uh, King Hussein Cancer Center is the largest cancer center in the country. It's a tertiary cancer center treating about 50% of cancer patients in the country. And we have uh, the largest comprehensive palliative care program. We have four services. We have a standalone unit, eight-bedded unit, uh, in, in the hospital, we have an in, inpatient consultation team, and we have um, inpatient admission and referral team. We have an outpatient clinics, and we have a home care program. The home care uh, program, uh, we have two teams covering the capital city, Amman, and another team was covering outside Amman. We see about 10 to 12 patients per day. In, in, a, in a given day, and they, they do also weekends. Um, we, we, we have many, many uh, services we provide. The main, the main, the main thing we, we do is a pain and symptom management um, and preparing patients throughout the trajectory of the illness. We offer psychosocial support, we offer spiritual support, and we do end-of-life care, as mentioned by other colleagues in, in our center. Uh, our team consists of physicians. We have three, 3.5 full-time employee physicians. We have three inpatient nurse coordinators. We have two clinical pharmacists, one social worker and uh, one spiritual advisor, and we have on-demand physical therapist and clinical psychologist. We have four home care nurses, and the hospital is building a new expansion across the street, which can house additional 200 beds on the on in addition to the 177 uh, current beds. And when we have a standalone, a huge outpatient center accommodates four times the capacity of our current outpatient clinic. And of course, with the expansion, our palliative care service will probably expand two to three times the current capacity. So you three have been here at Yale over the last few days talking about palliative care and Islam. What are some of the principles of um, palliative care that fit well with Islamic teaching and um, belief, Dr. Mohammed Al-Shahri? Well, I think it's a, it's a, a complete fit between the two, Islamic uh, uh, faith and uh, principles of, of uh, palliative care. First, the holistic nature of, of the two. Uh, so Islam is uh, a way of belief and also a, a way of life, and it encompasses all the activities and behaviors of the uh, Muslim. And uh, we know that palliative care is also a very comprehensive type of uh, health care that encompasses all the uh, facets of suffering the patients are going through, be it the psychological, the social, the spiritual, or the physical uh, uh, aspects of suffering. So they both fit very well from this point of view. Second, the affirmation of life. And this is one of the principles in uh, palliative care. Palliative care affirms life, and this is a very uh, important concept in uh, Islam as well. Uh, uh, the uh, next also uh, point is uh, relief of suffering. So, and relief of suffering is a very righteous uh, thing in Islam, and it is, of course, the the theme of palliative care. 
Yeah. Dr. Omar Shamia at uh, the King Hussein Cancer Center, what are some of the methods you use to relieve physical pain um, and suffering? Um, and um, Of course, you know, part, part of uh, suffering of cancer is uh, having severe kind of pain, which can happen from the beginning of the diagnosis and throughout the disease uh, journey. Patients can present with different types. We call we call it either neuropathic or can be either through the viscera or or uh, a limb pain or somatic pain. We call it, and we have many effective medications for this. Wide variety of medications, but the main the main medication to treat cancer pain is opioids. And we we have different kind of opioids, and we we uh, use them in the right uh, dosage and and the right in the right patient uh, and they are very very effective in relieving most of the pain the patient has what's the view of morphine and other opioid medications in the Middle East particularly um, dr. Omar um, you know op- use of opioids uh, and, and opioids actually pose a, a challenge in the Middle East and all over the world uh, with the fear of uh, addiction uh, fear of misuse and uh, um, unlawful uh, use of the medication. However, with constant education to the uh, providers and with with uh, putting down uh, strict policies and procedures uh, in order for the medication to be used uh, safely for uh, the right patient at the right time at the right setting, I think that helps. And with with making the medication available for those patients, that play a major role in relieving of their, of course, suffering mm-hmm. and, and physical pain yeah. and other symptoms. Dr. Mohammed, um, one of the founders of our field, Dame Cecily Saunders, um, who founded St. Christopher's Hospice in London, talked about pain as having multi-dimensions, not just physical, but it could also be psychological, social, and spiritual. How do you treat the spiritual pain that patients may feel or the spiritual distress they may feel um, with cancer or at the end of life? As you rightly mentioned, the the, the, uh, suffering of these patients is complex and is multifaceted. Uh, And uh, being uh, presenting that way, uh, the approach to it should be also approached by a team rather than by a person or one discipline. So you need a team to approach such a complex uh, problem that is, you know, a lot of factors are involved. The physical factor is obvious. Cancer is there and it's it's causing uh, destruction of the tissues and, you know, change physically. But also the other factors are very important, the spiritual, the psychological uh, and the social factors. And it has been observed that these uh, interact with, with each others in a synergistic way. So the whole is more than the sum of these uh, uh, facets of, of suffering. So that leads to what is called total pain. So the approach of these patients should be a total approach of care that involves the spiritual care providers, involves the physicians, nurses, uh, other colleagues from physiotherapy, dietitians, and so on, to tackle the problem from all angles, you know. Uh, Ghassan Abudari, you've talked about 
over the last few days the importance of family. And what's the role of family in helping patients uh, uh, through this period of pain and suffering that may come with advanced cancer at the end of life? Of course, one of the principles of end-of-life care is that uh, patients and their families is the unit of care and palliative care. Uh, the unit of care, of course. And actually, terminal illness is, uh, is a family experience because, you know, family, uh, they suffer psychologically because of the patient's condition deterioration. Uh, the family they have influence and in, in, uh, like maybe sometimes they uh, maybe because of lack of education or uh, uh, and this is something a global issue like uh, they don't get enough information about uh, opioid management so they have they show some reluctance of uh, using these opioids uh, so I think from our part as um, health uh, uh, care providers, we need to explain to the family uh, the benefit of uh, providing these opioids and uh, not to fear of, of uh, addiction or uh, side effects for them. So we can overcome this barrier of, uh, of uh, the global barrier of uh, fear of opioids, which is mainly related to lack of education. Uh, so spiritually, I think uh, for the, the pain, you know, uh, it's as I mentioned by Dr. Muhammad, it's uh, it's multifactorial, you know, like the, uh, they need uh, more uh, for teamwork of multidisciplinary team. Like you need uh, spiritual uh, caregiver, you know, like a spiritual spiritual uh, trained uh, uh, provider, you know, for for the f- uh, for the family and for the patients to guide them for the better care for their patients, you know. This this is in general. Yeah, yeah, so it's a team approach that it's involves yeah. the physician, the nurse, the social worker, what we call in the United States the chaplain or the spiritual care right, provider yeah. and yeah. a psychologist and, and all of that to help the patient and the family understand the disease and where mm. and the prognosis yeah. and where they are, etc. We are going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about culturally and sensitive and spiritually sensitive palliative care of Muslims with Dr. Omar Shabia, Dr. Muhammad Al-Shahri, and Ghassan Abudari. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Center Answers. This is Mark Lazenby, and I'm speaking with my guest, Dr. Muhammad Al-Shahri of the King Faisal Specialist Hospital in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Ghassan Abudari, a clinical nurse coordinator at the King Faisal um, uh, Specialist Hospital in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and Dr. Omar Shamia of the King Hussein Cancer Center in Amman, Jordan. There are over 13 million cancer survivors in the United States and over 100,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment is an exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. Following treatment, cancer survivors can face several long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers to help keep cancer survivors focused on healthy living. The Survivorship Clinic at Yale Cancer Center focuses on providing guidance and direction to empower survivors to maximize their health, quality of life, and longevity. This has been a Medical Minute brought to you as a public service by Yale Cancer Center and Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale New Haven. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.
So, Gasan, we've just we're talking about the role of family. What's the it seems like communication is very important between the the palliative care team and the patient and family. What are some of the basic principles of good communication that patients and families might need to know of? So if I were talking about my own loved one, what would you want me to know about how to communicate with my team? Uh, I think there is, uh, there's, uh, it's, ma- it's mentioned in, in all the books, you know, f- about the effective communication. Uh, so you have to prepare yourself and the family. Uh, there's special uh, steps to uh, pr- proceed, you know, before you communicate with the family. And t- uh, how to break the bad news, there are special techniques, you know, you have to follow. Uh, to provide them because uh, most of the issues at end of life it's it's really uh, uh, not uh, um, happy uh, news for for the family so you have to uh, provide it in in a context that they will accept it and they feel uh, they have to uh, work on it you know like uh, one of their goals you know for the family so there's a certain uh, techniques you have and it's uh, it started by the physician, of course. The physician need also uh, help from the other uh, multidisciplinary team, you know, in processing and communicating with with the family. And uh, uh, it's it's an effort of uh, uh, a team. It's not just only physician; they have to communicate. And we are as nurses, we do face challenges also, because sometimes we when because we spend most of the time with the patients. So sometimes we, be, we, we get asked by the patients and their families questions, you know, maybe we are limited or constrained about the nature of the information or the extent of information to provide for them. But I think we need to be the same page as a, as a medical team, like uh, all the healthcare provider, to be in the same page. And it uh, should be done uh, through effective uh, interdisciplinary team effort. So I think uh, the whole team should be on the same page when they are trying to communicate with the, with the patients. We should uh, set uh, our goals as a medical team uh, about the nature and the extent of information. So we shouldn't have contradict each other. This is one of uh, general rules. Uh, for Muslims, I think I believe uh, communication m- maybe can involve the religion more and more. Uh, uh, emphasis on the um, the meaning of uh, if it was bad news related to terminal illness it should be more focused about uh, death and dying the, the principles of death and dying for muslims the concept of uh, of pain how they should be perceiving pain according to the to islamic religion because we have a specific meaning for pain for uh, uh, death and dying you know the issue of believing in predestination for Muslims, I think can, can, it's happening uh, on time. Uh, it's, uh, you know, like the time of death, it's already determined by God. So these issues should be also included in the way we communicate with the family. It's a huge topic, but as I mentioned, we need a multidisciplinary team to be together, you know, and uh, to provide the best information for the family and the right communication. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Omar um, from the King Hussein Cancer Center, uh, there is this notion that Ghassan just spoke about of um, God has predetermined the time of our deaths and God knows it and it's written ahead of time. Does that cause Muslim patients to be distressed about knowing when is death going to happen or does it bring comfort or what is that 
principal do um, in uh, uh, in the course of their care? Okay. Um, in in order for me to to answer the question, I'll just shed light about the the importance first importance of palliative care in our uh, cancer population. As we know, and uh, Mohammed and Ghassan mentioned, it's very very important to have the principles of palliative care early on the disease, early uh, from the disease for the patients and families, and the the. The more preparation the team does with the patient and family, the more the, or, and the better the outcome. The, the notion of, of uh, predestination is, is, a, is a, a fact for Muslims and non-Muslims that the predestination and the death, the death phenomena is, is a known and, and uh, it's going to happen for every person on this uh, universe. Uh, Muslims believe that God has has this predestination set so the they the, nobody can alter the or bring it uh, forward or backward about the time of death so however at the same time we have to deal with the, those patients as human beings and we have to relieve the suffering where, where what what they have throughout their illness and having having said so when when there is a very, very important role for uh, the spiritual advisor in the healthcare team. That part part of the interdisciplinary team is to have a spiritual advisor, and the role of that spiritual advisor is really to strengthen the belief and faith of those Muslim patients, especially towards end of end of life. Because when we strengthen these beliefs and faith, we have we we can bring the Muslim patients to a, a more peaceful uh, peaceful environment. They, they have this, what we call, inner peace. Mm. The more they have uh, belief in God, the more they have belief in the, in the forgiveness, the more they have belief in the mercy of God, the more that they will not be afraid of the death. Because, of, because God created a human being to, to worship him and and then uh, they created death and life they created disease and remedy and crea- that God created uh, all all kinds of, of, of remedies along with the disease and the the, the patients they in, in addition to that they have to believe and they have to have patience and they have to bear uh, amount of suffering they are also, encouraged to seek treatment again seek treatment seek symptom management take opioids for pain management uh, at the same time we have to avoid doing harmful things or harmful interventions so we have to have a balance between giving the effective medication and trying to take away the non not effective or not beneficial interventions especially at this difficult time of their life yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Mohammed of the King Faisal a Specialist Hospital in Riyadh, uh, we know that palliative care doesn't just stop when a loved one dies. It includes bereavement care after death. What might that look like for um, a typical Muslim family in, in Saudi Arabia? 
Right. Yeah, as you know, there is a strong family uh, support for the Muslim patient in general, and also strong community support and encouragement of the community to participate in this process. I mean, the process of uh, caring for the person uh, who died and caring for the family who uh, lost one of uh, their members. So the community will be participating in the uh, funeral rites from the beginning, and they will attend the uh, uh, washing and shrouding and uh, uh, funeral prayer that is uh, done by a lot of Uh, people from the uh, Muslim community and then they will proceed with taking the uh, dead body to the uh, graveyard to uh, also participate in that activity so all this participation and the community uh, support to the family is actually healthy and will uh, in most of the times prevent uh, abnormal grieving but sometimes of course some patients or some families are under some risk, uh, more risk than others. And this is the duty of the healthcare uh, providers to try as early as possible to identify who of, the, of their uh, family members uh, is at risk of developing abnormal grief and work on that uh, ahead of time uh, in collaboration with the community uh, members. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Ghassan of the King Faisal Specialist Hospital in Saudi Arabia. Um, what are some of the practical religious rituals that your patients might um, partake in in their hospital rooms? Um, at, at the end of life, at care. the end of life, sure. Actually, it's a, it's a big topic, you know, and uh, uh, there is many uh, uh, cultural and spiritual, uh, or I would say, religious practices. But I think at the end of life those needs of uh, religious and uh, spiritual uh, uh, spiritual uh, uh, practices become substantial for, for the Muslim patients. So the uh, w- Muslims, they do pray five times per day, but you will see there's more pray. Uh, and uh, the, uh, you'll see patients, they are turning TV and they're trying to listen to Quran channels, like in Saudi Arabia. Uh, maybe in the, in the United States, it's a different story. Maybe you can have a tape recorder or play CD with Quran. So this is something we have. they have to do. It's, it's uh, listening to Quran. Uh, more pray you will see with, from the patients and even the family. They will start reading Quran more. And... Uh, uh, th- one of the issues is, you know, it's not an issue. It's uh, in the rituals, like uh, Muslims, they have, uh, before any prayer, they have to do uh, uh, purification, which is the uh, uh, wet ablution. They have to do a special wash. And uh, I've been talking to many non-Muslim nurses before, as I mentioned uh, in, in the study we, we conduct, you know. Uh, the nurse, the patient, they insist to do this wudu. And in the religion, there is a waiver for a few things. There's a modification, like they can do something called tayammum, which is a dry ablution, which is using sand for the purification. Um, uh, family, they, they try to, ter- if the patient loses consciousness or in the uh, terminal illnesses, uh, you know, for Muslims, they have a direction for pray. They have to be towards Mecca. So uh, most of the family, they will turn the beds 
uh, to face, so the patient can face, uh, like uh, for the direction of prey. This is one of the things uh, mentioned in most practice uh, among Muslims. So it's it's about the prey, about uh, reading Quran, uh, and about the direction for uh, for prey. Uh, of course, other things, you know, many things, but this is the main issues, you know. Uh, we can mention, like, uh, conclusion and then conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Omar of the King Hussein Cancer Center in Jordan, um, you've seen palliative care provided in the United States and in Jordan. What are some of the similarities that you've seen, and what are some of the major differences that you think um, you've seen? In a, in a very short uh, answer the the palliative palliative care is palliative care can be applied in uh, U.S. I mean uh, the similar way to the way that we apply palliative care in Jordan or in Saudi Arabia. It's the principles are the same. Muslim patients can have a full palliative care uh, services in whether they are in in U.S. or outside the U.S. Uh, some of the principles that, that every opioids are allowed. I mean, Muslims can use opioids for pain and symptom management, with with holding some of the interventions which are harmful at end of life. It can be applied with our, uh, in in the similar way in the U.S., like uh, do not resuscitate orders for terminally ill dying patient. It's allowed in in uh, in Jordan or Saudi Arabia. In addition, with with withholding or withdrawing some of the interventions which are unuseful, like you know unnecessary antibiotics or investigations which are not really useful. Uh, on, the, on the other side, that interdisciplinary team fashion. It's a similar similar way. We have a team in Saudi Arabia or Jordan who can provide excellent interdisciplinary care for our patients. The the only thing which is uh, practiced in some part of the U.S., uh, some states allow euthanasia, uh, which is not it's uh, forbidden for the Islamic rule. That, uh, euthanasia is forbidden for Muslims, whether they are in Saudi Arabia or Jordan or even in the U.S. Otherwise, we we're discussing with people here and, and practicing in both uh, part of the world. We think that there are many, many similarities of practice between the U.S. palliative care services and the uh, non-U.S. outside the U.S. and in the Arab countries like in Saudi Arabia or Jordan or any other Arab country. Um, of course, there are many uh, cultural differences, which is present even in the U.S., uh, which plays an important thing, which which is having to ask patients and families about many preferences uh, uh, regarding to decision-making, regarding to food preferences, regarding to place of care, whether it's uh, in the hospital or at home, um, regarding their uh, the, the who... who who, uh, caregiving experience, the importance of the importance of family. I don't want to emphasize. Already, Hassan talked about. It's very very important point. Uh, they play a major role in supporting uh, the patients in in the disease uh, trajectory, a social support and practical support and caregiving towards end of life, and they can be a very strong uh, source of spiritual support for the patient as well. 
thanks for joining us for another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers. We invite you to share your questions and comments. You can send them to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. And as an additional resource, archived programs are available in both audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We'd like to thank the Yale Cancer Center for providing production support for this program, and we'd also like to thank Renee Gaudette, Emily Fenton, and the staff of the Yale Broadcast and Media Center. I'm Bruce Barber, hoping you'll join us again next Sunday evening at 6 for another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.